You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26th of family, welcome to another episode of the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features doctor of physical therapy and photographer, JR. So as 26ers, we are used to having to push to achieve our academic and professional dreams. I mean, this is what much of this show is about, and JR is no different. During our conversation, he discussed working to find his learning style, acing his interview for PT school after arriving 30 minutes late, and choosing to start his career outside of a metropolitan area for financial reasons. But even after overcoming obstacles, JR never had the feeling that this is what he was meant to be doing for the rest of his life. His dream is to continue carving his own lane in what he calls a Black renaissance for creatives and eventually transition to photography full time. He's in no rush to jump in with both feet, but he does manage to feed his passion while thriving in his day job at the same time. And I'll let him tell you how he does it. Please enjoy. JR, welcome to the December 26th podcast. How are you? you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Good. Glad to be here. Glad you could make it. Thank you. So you put it out there, though, I heard. You were like, so when am I going to be on the show? I feel like it's been long overdue. I want to be on a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not specific on any kind. But oh, so like, it wasn't specific to no, us? No, it was just I'm like, yo, I feel like I have to be on a podcast. Everyone has a podcast. And nobody is inviting me. And I'm like, gotcha. I feel like I'm an interesting enough person. Well, here we are. Yeah. Let's jump into it. Okay, for sure. So who is JR? Uh, I'm a new dad. A Congratulations. Ther- thank you. A physical therapist by day, photographer all the time. That's that's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's J.R. So that's an interesting combination, mm-hmm. right? But we have a ton of people on this show who we consider entrepreneurs, like folks mm-hmm. who have day jobs but are focused on other things and their passions and figuring yeah. out how to manage that. Um, even harder to do it as a new parent as well. But we'll, we'll get there, but let's take um, a step back and talk a little bit about your background and how mm-hmm. you ended up in physical therapy. Uh, so I'm Haitian, so <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like implied that I interview had to do over. Got it right. <laughs> so it's like either nursing, doctor, mm-hmm. like one of those. But I don't think I was really ever interested in that. And then um, I was always kind of involved in sports. You know, I ran track, played basketball, so. Mm-hmm. When I got to school, went to SUNY Albany, you know, UA, you know, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of did an internship at a local spot and I realized, oh, I could really do physical therapy. I was really interested and uh, talked to the right people, applied to a few places and it feels like forever ago. But yeah, I graduated and I've been working ever mm-hmm. since full time. So did you like think about being an MD first or because I know a couple of physical therapists mm-hmm. And they were like, well, I wanted to be a doctor, but then I opted. Like, like it was almost like a second choice. <laughs> right. Uh, I think briefly I did because of just pressure. But mm-hmm. when I thought about it, I didn't. there was nothing about it that I really mm-hmm. And as I got older and like realized what I would have to do for it, right. for it I really wasn't interested. So, mm-hmm. you know, I sought out alternatives and, you know, it kind of led me to physical therapy. Yeah. And was your, mm-hmm. was your family supportive of that path? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. They were just... I guess they were just happy I was out of their house. So, like, anything that kept me out of their house, they mm-hmm. were fine with. Yeah, they were really supportive. So you head to school. Mm-hmm. Um, what what undergrad major does one focus on for PT? Oh, I think I did human biology, mm-hmm. which in Albany, for some weird reason, is in the anthropology really? department. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I took a lot of, like, archaeological classes. I think I took a bone study class, which kind of helped. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that was my major. And then I did sociology history as my minors because I was, if I, I always said if I wasn't a physical therapist, I'd probably be a history teacher. Mm-hmm. I just love history. So you come through undergrad Mm -hmm. and then do you go straight to PT school? I do. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, a lot of people don't. But like a lot of people decide to take a year or two off. But um, it wasn't until after I got into physical therapy school that I realized how competitive it was. It's very competitive. Yeah, I was kind of oblivious to that. I Mm -hmm. just thought it was like college. I was like, I'll, I'll get in somewhere. But. Um, it wasn't until later I realized, but yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's about it. So like I, one of my closest 
friends and relatives. Um, she's both, but I consider her a best friend as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is a physical therapist. And, and I remember her going through that process in school. Like, it's intense. Like, yeah, I don't know. Sure. People who don't really understand what physical therapy is. Like, I think sometimes yeah. they think like you just you do massages. Yeah. Like you just do massages. <laughs> you might do East Stem. Right, you know, right, right. like, you know, yeah, I've been, you, through, you've been to therapy. First of all, I've had East Stem. a couple workers count cases. <laughs> I had foot surgery. They put me through ESIM. It sucked. Okay, there was nothing good wow. about ESIM. Okay, so you know, um, but you I, know. so I know, and I know it's like legit, and it helped quite a bit. Yeah, but sure. people who are not familiar with the space, they do think it's like mm-hmm. massages and like making you get on equipment like a personal for trainer, sure, for sure. Um, which is so much more than that. So, mm-hmm. what's the academic experience like going through a doctor physical therapy um, program? So there is where you have to do research for your doctorate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you take a lot of neurobiology, you take uh, anatomy. Like, I remember my first summer, I was cutting up a dead body, which was, I guess I really should have read the brochure. Like, I really was unsure what I was walking into. I was mm-hmm. really oblivious. So I walk in and I'm like, yo, something smells off about this lab. From Aldehyde, maybe? Yo, we're going to be cutting up a dead body. So, you know, there was that. That was your introduction to everything. So, um, It was kind of rigorous. Like, you know, you really, that was the first time I would say in my academic career where I felt like I doubt, you know, Mm -hmm. like I knew I would graduate high school. I knew I was graduating college, but it was in grad school. It was the first time I was like, man, I don't know. Can I do this? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, So there were definitely some moments where you felt lost. I was kind of described physical therapy school as a blur. Yeah. And I was having this conversation with another guest um, recently, and we were saying that talking about how also advanced degrees, like you can excel mm-hmm. in high school, you can excel in college and kind of Absolutely. rise to the top. But a lot of times these advanced degree programs, everybody's ultra competitive. Everybody's right. smart. Everybody's talented. Right. Most are passionate about the field that they've chosen. Absolutely. And it's just like a, it, there's a level playing field in a way mm-hmm. that you you know hadn't experienced previously. So right. even though it was a blur, were you finding academic success in the program? I was, Mm -hmm. but I had to work really, 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 really hard, like harder than I ever felt comfortable Mm -hmm. working. So I think that took in the level of adjustment. And once I finally got there, it was just a matter of matching that and kind of maintaining it. But getting there was the hard part Mm -hmm. because it was a level of, you know, information that was being thrown at you that I wasn't accustomed to. Sure. I think once you, you know, once you get used to it, I'm sure you could relate. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of find your rhythm, you're good. Um, but yeah, there's definitely moments of doubt for sure. But what sure. does that look like, finding your rhythm within um, a program for me, like that? It was understanding how I learn. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people, you go through high school and college and you may never understand your learning style because you just might have like a natural knack for remembering things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you're not really challenged to that level. But when you are, you have to kind of fine tune it so you're not wasting time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I realized for me, it was all about writing things down. If I couldn't remember, I had to write it down a million. Mm-hmm. Until you get it. Yeah, hopefully it was sticking my head. But that was like one of the major things I had to figure out early on was just how to maneuver this whole new rigorous course, mm-hmm. you know? So you find your rhythm. Mm-hmm. I, how long is PT school? I can't even three remember. Three years. Three years, right? So you do four years undergrad and then you do your three years mm-hmm. in PT school. So you do these three years, which... Mm-hmm. I'm sure it includes some sort of practicum yeah, element yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. So like for a lot of different classes, like a musculoskeletal class, they would have a practical where you, your professor would be a fake patient mm-hmm. and you had to, you know, in essence, diagnose them, understand what you have to do. And those are like still one of the most nerve wracking moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I still remember those like feelings of walking in the hallway, like waiting to be called in and just wanted to be over. Right, right. Um, but when it, you know... You want to, now that I'm done, you know, you kind of appreciate it a little mm-hmm. bit more. Like if you knew in that moment you for sure were going to pass and, you know, maybe you would have appreciated that sure. a little bit more. But I think it's, you know, in hindsight, you kind of miss it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of reminisce about those but days. Do you know how some people like they go to an advanced degree program and they get into it when they start working on the tactical mm-hmm. elements, they have that moment where they're like, the heavens open up and they're like, this is what I was meant to be doing. You know, this is so great. And then there are others who are like, I'm in it now and I'm going to just keep being I'm in that it. One. Okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, I did, and law school was fine, but I definitely didn't have the heavens opening up. Right, moment. Right, right. So, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. going to have that. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the <laughs> second one. I, I do what I have to do. Yeah. I do enjoy what I do, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I like I work with people who um, are super passionate about it, mm-hmm. and I could I I know I'll never get there because right. I don't want to be there. So um, it's clear to me that 
you know, while I do enjoy what I want to do, I'm not necessarily like passionate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love what I do. I feel like I'm able to impact people in a positive way consistently. Mm-hmm. So that's a great feeling. But, um, you know, photography for me is kind of the, the big thing. But physical therapy has afforded me some pretty cool opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after school, I started doing the travel thing. So I was living in weird, obscure places for uh, three to six months at a time. Really? So yeah. so was that because of career opportunities? Yeah, I was finding out how much my contemporaries were going to be making. And I was like, hell no, I got to get out of New York. <laughs> so, And, you know, just how everything just aligned, you know, someone had mentioned travel physical therapy to me and I was like, my interest was peaked. Mm-hmm. So I spoke with someone who did it. They connected me with someone and I was in Clinton, Oklahoma, <laughs> For four months, right? This is the second Clinton I've heard about today. The first one was Clinton, Mississippi. Wow. I didn't. I'd never heard of that. I've never heard of this one. Yeah, Clinton, too. Oklahoma. This shout out to Clinton, Oklahoma. <laughs> so what, like, to, and where did you grow up? Let's go go back oh, first. I grew up in the suburbs of New York, Rocky okay, County, eight four five Spring Valley. Got it. Okay, I rep all of it. So suburbs of New York. What's that transition like, though? As like, you know, mm-hmm. of Haitian descent. Growing up in New York, then going to Clinton, Oklahoma. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that they're that progressive. Prior to that, I was in Brooklyn because of grad school Mm -hmm. to Downstate Medical Center. Um, And so I would go from Brooklyn to super rural Oklahoma. So um, I think I saw cattle more Mm -hmm. times than I saw people. It was like super different experience, but I was, my mind was open to it. I was interested in like experiencing life outside of New York. So I took it all in. Like I, I started doing cross. I started doing things I never mm-hmm. would do. I did CrossFit mostly because I was just so <laughs> bored. It was like nothing to do. Everything closed at eight o'clock. But I love that you mentioned CrossFit as if like you couldn't do CrossFit in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they no the prices in Brooklyn are crazy. Yeah, that is true. But, like I was doing it for like twenty dollars. Mm-hmm, of course, paying for like two hundred. <laughs> um, but like you know, I was just like learning stuff about myself. So mm-hmm. it was my first time really being by myself. Also, like living by myself. Um, the whole you know. Since forever, I've always had a roommate. So that was my really first time. Out. Right. So I did that for about two years. I stayed in Oklahoma for four months. Then I was in South Carolina, Florence for six. Then I went up to Iowa for, oh my gosh. for like three months. Then I did Arkansas for six. And then around Arkansas, I'm like, all right, it's about time to go back to New York. But then I finished off in Texas, Wichita Falls. So is the catch to like travel physical therapy that you have to be in Obscure, super rural yeah, places? Cause like because, Iowa. What? Right, so here's the gig. So like in New York, they don't need travel therapists because there's some right. therapists that live in New York and are willing to work uh, full-time jobs. But like in a Clinton, Oklahoma, nobody wants to live there. Mm-hmm. So the only help that some of these agencies can get are like temporary contract work. So really you can negotiate your contract million times better because you have the leverage they need you a lot more than you need them Mm -hmm. so for me it was always a toss-up between getting paid more versus living in a cooler place because you know there are agencies that can put you like in a los angeles or atlanta but you just be getting paid you know whatever but if you really wanted to get paid as much and maximize earning potential then you kind of sacrifice the locale and you Mm-hmm. Stay in Clinton, Oklahoma, or Minnesota, right. Arkansas, and just make the best of it. You collect these checks and save up. So, what prompted you to be like, I'm not doing this anymore? If the money is was so good, I I just felt like it was time. Mm-hmm. I like was missing New York. I'm an idiot. I should have stayed. I should have kept on trash. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. I, I, but I really, I just felt like it was time to come back. Mm-hmm. I, I, I missed it. Miss being around everything familiar. Um, and then, you know, I started dating this girl. So I was like, okay, it's time to come back to New York. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what, like, prompted me to to feel like, all right, it's about time to come back. Mm-hmm. So where did the photography come into all of this? Oh, that's that's way we got to go back. Okay, so let's take back. it back. It's about summer of 2011. Yeah, 2011. I'm in college. I just finished my sophomore year. Uh I feel like sometimes I get like sparks of like, oh, I want to learn how to do something. Mm-hmm. And so that summer it happened to be photography. My brother helped me get like a fancy camera. So I literally was just sticking my camera in like people's faces. <laughs> my friends got tired of me. But um, when I got back, back up to school in Albany, that's when I like really started just taking pictures mm-hmm. more. Kind of like, you know, taking pictures of people, different events, school events. Um, 
And then eventually I kind of transitioned and I actually ended up taking a film class mm-hmm. and that kind of further piqued my interest in everything. Um, and then it was like a steady decline during grad school because I didn't have a life. Right. And I'm then, like, it's grad school. Yeah. Right. And then after grad school, it was like a slow uptick. And then now I'm like constantly right back into it. Last year, I was actually uh, challenged myself to take a picture a day. I did a 365 mm. challenge. So I was able to do that. So I feel like that helped kind of jumpstart everything creatively. And so it's helped keep me in that space. But when you started, was it literally just, I want to do this as a hobby and learn? Or were you angling to monetize from the beginning? Uh, I think early on, it was strictly just to like, I want to take pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think I was always, I'm like a nostalgic type person. Um, You know, photo albums are like my my thing. Mm -hmm. I love photo albums. So um, I feel like I just wanted to start documenting things a little bit more. And then quickly I learned like, oh, I could also monetize this. So Mm -hmm. That also helps. <laughs> and when did you start monetizing it? Um, almost immediately, because mm-hmm. if you have a nice camera, people believe you. This is true. Like, they just yes. trust you. If I just knew nothing about anything and I just bought a fancy camera, I probably, you know, people might want to see a photo or two, mm-hmm. but, you know, chances are they trust you. The, f- the camera gives you a certain level of legitimacy, which is sure. Great, but. Yeah. So, yeah, I monetized it pretty quickly. As soon as I got back up to Albany, I was collaborating with different student groups and um, I was able to kind of get opportunities there. And, you know, mostly friends, Mm -hmm. you know, like really shout out to my friends because they they put up with me constantly taking photos of them, like looking ugly, just (laughs) like candid stuff. So, yeah. But were you like and I'm asking these questions because I think it's important. I think sometimes we discover unhidden talents. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, this is what I want to do and I want to monetize it. But we're not necessarily proactive about putting ourselves out there mm-hmm. um, as for hire. So when you got back to school, were you literally going to these student groups like, oh, this is this is what I do? Um, you know, you know what? Because like I said, I was just taking photos mm-hmm. of my friends and I think, you know, different people in you know, the black community at Albany is pretty tight knit. Mm-hmm. So I think that once people kind of started noticing I was a person that took pictures and there wasn't that many people taking pictures at mm-hmm. the time. So I think, you know, once people started taking notice of that, then opportunities started coming my way. And then I kind of like kind of built my confidence to start reaching out to different people. And then also my friends also helped angle me in different opportunities mm-hmm. also. So, um, yeah, I think I was just able to just lean on the connections and then let my work kind of help, like, attract people to me and, mm-hmm. and want to maybe hire me. And when did you get to the point where you were like, this is a legitimate business for me? that I can grow. When did you have that realization? Probably when I kept on spending money that day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I'm clearly super invested. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you know what it is also, like I have other friends of mine who are also in the visual arts. And so that also helped kind of um, make me feel like we're part of a collective. Mm-hmm. Limitless is a limitless entertainment imprint. Like that's their imprint entertainment. I'm, I'm botching that completely, <laughs> but yeah, they they also really like on a very legitimate level help. Uh, like they have an LLC, you know, and then they to me they help me kind of make real business decisions. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like having close friends who are so heavily interested in and look at it from a business standpoint also helps gear my mind towards that direction. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So it's it, it's interesting because these are two sort of professional tracks that are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, PT is all about the science of it, black oh, yeah, and white, sure, et cetera. Sure. Um, and then you have this piece where you're really creative, mm-hmm. obviously, and it takes an artistic eye. How do you balance honing both skill sets on a regular basis? Like you talked about the whole 365 thing and it sounds like, oh, it's just a picture. Yeah. But I don't know about you, but, you know, having a job that requires so much, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel this way, they want to invest in that other thing. Right. But it's like you get home. It's like, I, I actually don't want to be bothered. Yeah, like, I'm exhausted. Tired. So how do you balance the two? Uh, badly. Uh, <laughs> mostly. Uh, sometimes I just feel like I get overwhelmed with one, and then mm-hmm. so I start leaning more towards the other. Um, and then during the 365 Challenge, it was just, a, it was really me fighting myself. Like, even if I was taking my dogs on a walk, I would take my camera with me. It was just about being consistent about taking mm-hmm. my camera everywhere. So I would just take a photo, even if I didn't feel like I was sick or, you know, I just was exhausted. And uh, with my job, I ended up doing a lot of notes at home. Mm-hmm. And so that ends up getting a little frustrating. And that does take me away from doing more creative things. So I, that can definitely be a little frustrating. So I, I think for me, when I start feeling overwhelmed in one arena, or if I feel like I'm neglecting one, 
mm-hmm. where I, like, I feel like I'm being like too much on the creative side and too much wanting to just take photos and then I forget completely about my actual day job. Right. Then I have to kind of reel it back in. So, Which I think is a legitimate concern for creatives because yeah. you have the thing that feeds your spirit and lights you up inside. Right, right, right. That is literally passionate just, yeah, about. you're super yeah. passionate about it, but it's like a side hustle at best. But the more you invest in it, your time, your money, et cetera, your energy, it's really hard to like jump out of bed and go bounce into this job right. where you have to be there for X number of hours a day. Mm-hmm. And in your case, charting at night and right. all those things. So what do you tell yourself on those days where like you don't feel invested in the work that probably provides bulk of your income mm-hmm. um, as a necessity, especially as a dad, I'm sure. Yeah, now, what do you sure, tell yourself sure. on those days where you feel that pull to the creative space, but a space that may not yield the same financial result. Right. So that's when it gets hard and mm-hmm. makes it hard to rationalize uh, putting off the more serious, mm-hmm. you know, income producing work. Because also sometimes, you know, um, I feel like I might pick up an extra shift and then that throws me off creatively because mm-hmm. then I'm not able to really produce the way I want to. So um, on those days, it's harder for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's just a matter of just Keeping in your mind, like in my mind, the creative endeavor or whatever project mm-hmm. I want to work on is like the carrot at the end. Like I'm like, all right, I'm working. Oh man, that that did. <laughs> I did, I did the thing. So, yeah, we'll just we'll just say we were, we were joking about the team here the team. about how we, we always suggest that people uh, we ask them not to hit the table. Hit the table. And, it, and people always say like, no, it's cool. I'm not going to hit the table. And then we get animated. We are animated people. Yeah. It's what we do. It happens. And I didn't believe it you. happens. Every interview, every <laughs> we're used to it. I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm on, like, the wall of shame. Welcome to the club. Damn. But yours wasn't a full, like, smack yeah, on the no, table. Yeah, it was, you know. But it happens. Yeah. It happens every single time. It never fails. But, um, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> back to your, your great question. Um, I think those days, it, it, it is more of a struggle, mm-hmm. but it's just a matter of taking a step at a time. Yeah. And, uh, kind of knowing, like, okay, once I get this done, I can get that. Mm-hmm. And just really trying to be disciplined. You know, it's really really hard to be disciplined at a fine, um, especially when you're trying to balance the yeah. two and trying to maintain a certain level of balance. And then you have the, you know, the whole fatherhood thing, mm-hmm. which is, uh, no, no big deal. <laughs> a whole other it's a whole job. Element. Right. It's right. A whole element. Um, so, you know, it could definitely be challenging, but then it makes it a little rewarding when you're able to really do, you know, perform at a high level on one end and then, mm-hmm. you know, you're able to get back to what you actually really want to do. I do love those days where it's like you're vibrating at that level where you're mm-hmm. killing it at the main thing, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. also carving out that space to make progress mm-hmm. on the passion project. It doesn't happen all the time. No, no, that's like few and far between. Yeah, but it's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me this, like, you know, I've met a ton of people who had hustles in college, right? Things right. that they did and it's its own community and its own um economy in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. And it is possible to kind of gain exposure on a campus and find opportunities. But then coming to a place like, you know, the boroughs, where everybody's got a hustle, everybody's Everybody's got a camera, right? They're on, they've, (laughs) whatever, they've been to school for this and Mm -hmm, they're doing mm -hmm. that. For sure. Did you feel like, uh, you know, can I really carve a lane for myself here? Did you ever question that? For sure. Mm -hmm. Pete, like, I feel like we're in the midst of like, uh, like a real black renaissance Mm -hmm. uh, amongst creatives of all mediums. And it's inspiring, but I think that also as someone who strives to create at that level, can be a little intimidating and you mm-hmm. qu- question if you can get there. And sometimes you question, how do you get there? You right. know? And I think the thing that keeps me grounded is just constantly shooting. And I find that every time I work with someone in a different environment, you have to tap into a skill set you didn't necessarily know you had. Mm-hmm. And then that in turn, that's another element in your toolbox. And I think that as you continue shooting, you continue collaborating and and pushing yourself creatively, I think that's how you get there. But yeah, it's it's tough out here. <laughs> I feel like everyone is bad. I look in, on Instagram and, you know, I have all these photographers I follow and I'm, I'm like in awe of them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to me, like I look at photography more like everybody can eat, you know, right. and I see everybody has something to contribute to that medium. So it's not a competitive, like, you know, I want to be the best, but I am inspired. I am challenged by it. I definitely want to like, get to that level. Yeah, it's, um, I I talk about this often, that feeling of like, how do I cut through the noise? And what I mean by noise is Mm -hmm. like, when you go online, there's 
however many people doing what you do, right? right? And there are right. things that make us unique and help us to stand out. But this, there's, I like, I, I feel like every week I discover somebody on Instagram or whatever, mm-hmm. what have you, that I find inspiring or talented. I'm like, and they have like, I'm half, you know, half million followers and I didn't know they existed. Right. Just because there's so much going on right. and there's all these people showcasing themselves. And I'm like, how am I just find this person, but half these people that I know already follow them. Right. And, but the flip side of that is it could be a mind game for you, like right. on your thing. It's like, well, how do I stand get, out and yeah, get yeah. the exposure when everybody is oh, on yeah. something? Oh yeah. Everybody's on something yeah. like, so, but did you proactively build your business once you came back, your photography side of things, once you came back to New York or did you sort of happen, let it happen organically? I like ease back into okay. it. I think when I came back into New York, uh, there were so many things that were in flux. Mm-hmm. You know, I was uh, working a more permanent job for the first time in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was also trying to find an apartment. You know, I had two dogs at that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was just, it just, it was just crazy. It was just a lot of chaos. So I think that once everything settled in, um, and my friends always kind of got on me for not being as consistent with my camera, you know, mm-hmm. with a friend of mine, Nana, um, who's the author of this book called Friday Black. Mm-hmm. Shameless plug. Everyone should read it. Check it out. Um, check it out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he would always get on me like, oh, do you even still take pictures? You know, you'll say that like jokingly, but you know, I kind of like was, was, in the back of my mind when I started picking up my camera again is to kind of prove to myself also that, you know, I could still, you know, be creative. I felt like for a while it was hard to be creative. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I really had to work hard for it. Now it's, it's not that it comes easy. I just think that I do it more often. So it's like a muscle. Just, yeah. And what kinds of photography are you focused on? Oh, I'm like big on portraits, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of candid stuff, uh, street photography. Um, recently, like recently, I would say the past year, mostly a lot of film. I've been like in a rabbit hole of mm-hmm. like analog photo- uh, photography, you know, um, because I did take a course in college, but I didn't do it for many years. And then I got back into it. And I was now I'm deep in it. Like, I, you know, I learned how to develop my film and I do mm-hmm. it in my bathroom. Like literally. That's crazy, right? A little setup. Yeah, it's 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 fun though. It's like it's I feel like it's you're more involved in the creative process of creating an image. And um it's like to me gratifying. Mm-hmm. It's not cost effective though, so it's a dumb I should <laughs> I should do it less, but I, mm-hmm. I love it a lot. Yeah. Do you ever have those moments because I know I have them where like so you do your thing, right? Let's just take the street photography thing, mm-hmm. for example. You're passionate about it. You do it. Then you come across these people who are like the premier street photographer and they have a book deal and there's oh, a man. tabletop book and there's this. And I don't know if you've, you've had this moment, but I know I have where I look at people who are not only monetizing their passion, but they're not just like keeping a roof over their heads. Like they are getting money by doing exactly what they're talented at and what they're mm-hmm. really into. And the world is now taking notice and they're the go-to for right. whatever that thing is. Do you ever ask yourself, like, can I get there? Can Do you want to get there? I mean, how do you view that? I think I kind of want to get there, mm-hmm. but also in a certain sense, I think I just, I think I just want to keep creating um, like pieces of work that I'm proud of and, and, I feel like push me mm-hmm. and mean something to me. If I can make a lot of money off of that at the same time, mm-hmm. I'll take it. But I think that like when I, you know, post a photo or like uh, come up with a concept in my mind, I don't do it with the emphasis like, oh, hopefully this can get me paid or mm-hmm. like an uh, Instagram deal or, you know, uh, you know, I just think that I just create and, you know, I, I throw it to the world and, you know, I just on to the next one. I think I'm just constantly, my mind is kind of geared towards the next project. Mm-hmm. So, um, but if I can get paid handsomely, like I'm not <laughs> against it. I'm not opposed, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's like my primary drive. Got it. In creating. Understood. Um, but now you've added this other element of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. How old's your, your baby? He's three months. Three months. So you're like, you're. He's like Nunu. Fresh smells like baby. Yeah, he smells that great. Ooh, yeah, intoxicating yeah. baby smell. Crazy baby, milk monster. His name is Jasir. Love that. Yeah. So, how has your life changed? Drastically, <laughs> severely, immensely. Mm-hmm. I wish I had like a dictionary so I could battle <laughs> all the synonyms. Um, no, it's been amazing. It's been a process. It's mm-hmm. been. It's been. People tell you what to expect. Cause I, you know, you should, as a first time dad and. I think in your mind, you imagine what it'll be like, but until it happens, there's no, 
until you get peed on and smell, you can't imagine what it's like to get peed on, you know, mm-hmm. or different, you know, different things like that. But it's been so, it's been so fun. It's been so fulfilling. It's been, you know, I'm like happy to run home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I get excited to come home and go see him. Um, and now he's starting to be more expressive. Like sure. He plays with his hands. He smiles a lot. So, you know, it's just, it's been three months, but it feels like forever. Mm-hmm. And he's just now sleeping. So I thank God for that so much. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's, it's a, a whole lot. lot. It's and there's not a lot of room for hobbies and side gigs with a new baby. No, either. no. So me and my girlfriend Shamila, uh, who's a stylist, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, another shameless plug. <laughs> Uh, you guys we're all about this. We're yeah, all about we the plugs. Yeah. Check her out. She's a stylist. Um, I feel like we have a great, uh, we're, you know, we're learning everything together, mm-hmm. but I think that with her job, you know, she just went back to work. It's just a lot of, we have to communicate at a level we never had to before mm-hmm. so that we can make sure no one is doing something that we didn't know about mm-hmm. the other person. So that definitely helps. You know, like in, in also me trying to squeeze in projects and she has to fly different places. It's just trying to uh, and then obviously spending time with him and right. you know, just um, trying to be as present as possible. It's been a challenge, but I feel like we're navigating that pretty, mm-hmm. pretty OK. So and I, I'm always fascinated by not only new parents, but new parents in a metropolitan area like oh, yeah. New York, where not only is it really expensive, but it's we're always on go. Like there's always yeah. an opportunity. Yeah. There's always something. There's always a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have two people who are both in creative spaces where you, right. you kind of need to be on demand, opportunities can come up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what does that look like, though, in reality? You meant you alluded to it, the, the compromising and communicating, um, but crazy. balancing her dreams and her profession mm-hmm. with not only your daytime profession, but something that you're actively pursuing yeah, as well. No, it's definitely crazy because especially where she is in her career um you know she's there she's almost ready to make that jump Mm -hmm. to you know the next level so to me i'm conscious of trying to make sure that i don't make sure she feels uh you know like uh she doesn't have that support Mm -hmm. you know that's crucial and i think that with her going back to work like she's had to fly to la a few times so i've just had to make adjustments in my schedule Mm -hmm. or she's had to make adjustments we've had to have lead on friends to you know pick them up from a babysitter Mm -hmm. or things like that so it's really just Trying to like use the resources around us mm-hmm. while also trying to make sure we understand the plan to the yeah. T. Because, you know, at any given moment, uh, I'm liable to forget things. So <laughs> The baby, maybe. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? And this is a conversation. Obviously, we have a lot of driven people on the show and mm-hmm. creatives and people into a lot of really great things. One of the conversations I have, you know, with friends who listen to the show regularly, we talk about the dynamic between couples who are really driven and can mm-hmm. both parties really be at the pinnacle of success at the same time and really chasing. Right. right. And and one of the, the themes that have come through on the show a lot is I've had men who come on. We've had men who come on and said, listen, I wouldn't have been able to get to this point without the support of right. my partner. Like she's the one who was kind of holding it down during this period. And now I'm holding it down, whatever. Right. Um, but do you feel like because she's on the the pinnacle, like on the cusp of like next level that you have to stand down a little bit in terms of your pursuits now that like you have a new baby? I feel like she's so supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like we reciprocate our support well okay. to the point where we each feel supported. So a good balance. So there is a good balance. I do feel like to a certain degree, I, I, I want her to take more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like if I had something or she had something, I would want her to take it before I took it for mm-hmm. sure. Because um, I do feel like she's right there. Um and if I can in any way help that for sure, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, to a certain degree, you know, there's not as many, you know, shoots or whatever the case may be that I might be able to do because of her going back to work. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't mind that. So you're, you've evolved, you're evolved, you're an evolved okay, man, okay, right? Okay with insecure. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Tyler, my dream is to be a house husband. <laughs> Oh, you're she one of those. I'm not allowed to do that, but I might fake. Really, though? No? I'm gonna fake As a, a work- Haitian man, you- I'm gonna fake a workplace injury and you're gonna see. <laughs> As a Haitian man, you'd be okay with being yeah, outside of this. I'm trying to break the stereotype. I'm tired of working. I just wanna be home, take care of my kids, <laughs> mm-hmm. take naps as I feel free. <laughs> I realize naps are important and I want Naps are great. This is when I really miss yeah. like college where you know you could potentially have a nap in the middle of the day. That two to seven oh, guy. Oh man, yeah. I miss those days just being able to walk back to my dorm and go to sleep. Uh, those days are are long gone. You don't appreciate them. You, you really don't. Over. 
Yeah. You really don't. So you, you mentioned earlier, like being Haitian and mm-hmm. like how that Im- impacts your career, impacts your career choices yeah, yeah. and all those things. And now you have a partner that you're with and a son. Mm-hmm. How did your family react to you doing things in my, what might be deemed an unconventional way? Badly. They dealt with it badly. <laughs> I thought so. That's why I asked. But I wanted to know if they, you know, if you're in a more evolved family. Oh, uh, They dealt with it very badly. <laughs> My mom mostly dealt with it badly mm-hmm. because she's, she's a Haitian mom. My dad was surprisingly calm. He mm-hmm. was a wild card. He could have went either way with him, but mm-hmm. he was super calm. My mom needed some work. <laughs> but then, you know, in any good Haitian fashion, as soon as the baby's here, it's oh, like, all, is, all is forgiven, it's, right? It's all love. But you find, I'm finding that we've had a few people on the show, mm-hmm. I've talked to people in the city, um, professional, established, Black people within our like sort of age range mm-hmm. are choosing to do things in their own order, whether it was planned or not or whatever, so, right, like right, right. just going with that and not feeling pressure like, oh, we mm-hmm. have a child now. We should get married or, right, right, you know, right, got to right. do this first. Well, obviously then, there's, you know, her dad in he's so subtle way. Glaring at you like, what are you doing, bro? Where's <laughs> that ring at? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, I'm working on it, but... Um, you know, I, I do think that, like, for us, we I, I think because we understand each other, and mm-hmm. I think that we have those conversations in, internally. So, like, outside pressure doesn't really phase mm-hmm. uh, us as much because mm-hmm. we already discuss these things and, mm-hmm. you know, understand what we want to do and what our plan is. So, yeah, I do think that to a certain degree, like, this newer gen of millennials, like, yeah. whatever, I think that we do realize that, you know, there is no real specific order to thing. If you want to do certain thing a certain way, that's great. And if mm-hmm. you want to do it any other way, that's also fine. You know, it's whatever. So I do think that we embrace that better than uh, predecessors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and to me, I think that it just works. Like, we live in an unconventional time. Right. And I just think that, um, you know, just being flexible in your thinking is more crucial than mm-hmm. ever, really. And I think, too, like, there's more cognizance about, like, cost and financial implications and it's right. the right time. Oh, yeah, we're, we're also poor. We're, like, poor <laughs> compared to, like, our parents mm-hmm. because we graduated college with, like... Right, so. exactly. And then if you went to grad school, it's, like, mortgage in a car. Exactly. So, so there are other thoughts. Yeah, and not that you, you can't make it, like, you know, mm-hmm. get married and make it happen, but, like, I think often people are like, no, like, we, we can't afford the wedding, so we're going to hold right, off. Right, like, you know, right. there are all these other things yeah. that, that come into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, for, and sort of informed decisions. But speaking of decisions, if you had to do it all over again, would you have made, decided to make photography the main focus or would you still have gone with physical therapy? Oh, I definitely would have gone with physical therapy because mm-hmm. if I, photography, while I love it, does not yield the, the financial <laughs> right. benefits. Not to that starving yet, artist life. Yet, right? God willing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think that just the way my personality set up, I would need something stable mm-hmm. to like center me so that it would allow me to create freely without the worry of finances. And I think that like, you know, you kind of speak on the starving artist concept. I think that a lot of people, they prefer to be that starving artist that's not on the bottom and, you know, their backs to the wall. Mm-hmm. They may thrive that way and that's good, but that doesn't have to be everybody's story. You know, you right. can still have health care and still pursue your, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, uh, desires and, you know, different things. Like there's just so many different ways to do what you want to do. And I'm glad you mentioned that because mm-hmm. we live in a culture now that like, unless you throw it all to the wind and you're like, no, yeah. I'm going to focus on my art or my talents. I'm going to build this startup Yeah, and I can pay my rent for three months, but I stuck with it. Like that's the only respectable path to right. like pursue right. your to, passion. To success, right. Which A, everybody's not built for that. Mm-hmm. And B, everybody's not built for that. Like I've seen <laughs> it, that send people yeah. to a place mentally, physically, emotionally, I'm just sure. the stress sure. of not yeah. knowing where your next dollar is going to come from. Mm-hmm. Um, That's just unbearable unbearable for some folks and like it's no less respectable to say like I'm building this thing on the side and it may always be a side thing or it may evolve in a way where like I can give up the main thing but like Mm -hmm. there are many paths to fulfilling passions and doing things that feed your spirit and getting your art out there Mm -hmm. or whatever your desired output is in a way and still like go Collect this W too. Like that is perfectly get that health insurance. (laughs) Exactly. Like that is perfectly okay. And I'm just tired of this like false pride about like, you know, you know, I came to New York with one suitcase. (laughs) You know, like you know super long Instagram captions where it's like 
I slept in my friend's couch for three years. You that know, is great. Yeah, Good for you. It'll be a picture of a bike, and it'll be like, <laughs> I remember it was just me and my bike and my backpack. I struggled through Central Park. I lived right. in Harlem, and it was like... I'm really not trying to I'm sleep happy. in my car. Like, that's not I'm my thing. Yeah, You're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be there. Right. So no, go thank work you. Go work real quick. Exactly. Okay. And that's okay. Like, that's it's not for everyone. And I respect Absolutely. the people who are like, I don't need the nine to five. Yeah, sometimes I'm I just dug it out. Because right. like, I think about like all the things I could be doing mm-hmm. if I wasn't at work. Like one day right. I called out sick and I might not have been sick. <laughs> hopefully nobody Maybe, hears this. Hopefully no employers are mm-hmm. listening to this. But I realized how much time is spent at work. Right. From the commute there to the time spent there to the commute back. And dealing with the people. Like so just, much yeah. can be done in the time that we spend at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which is, you know, my four-day work week. Right. Thing. But, uh, yeah, I do think that sometimes I even envy people who don't have the traditional nine-to-five because I think if you're able to stay disciplined and focused, mm-hmm. you're able to maybe create so much more, or like, you know, have opportunities to have lunches or dinners with mm-hmm. different people in those fields that you're trying to get into. So, right. I do think there's a lot of opportunity to miss. When- you do. I mean, I've been on both sides of it, and there are mm-hmm. things that I loved about being my own boss, and there are things mm-hmm. that I hated, and, you know, the same being an employee. But I remember having a conversation with um, a lawyer friend of mine from that I went to law school with, uh-huh. and she was in the thick of, like, law firm life and whatever, yeah. and being an associate and everything that comes with that. And I was in the thick of uh, solo practice. And she said to me, she's like, uh, and this was, like, right around the holidays. She's like, oh, my God, I just wish I lived, you know, your life like you're doing your thing. And, and because I was in the startup entertainment space, I was always getting invites to, like, the really cool fly events. events yeah. And it's cool. But it's just that. It's optics. Right. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you're doing all these things. And like, I wish that was my life. I'm just reporting to some partner who's dumping all this work on me. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, OK, I said, I, I hear you. And there are parts of it that are very cool. Mm-hmm. This is the end of the year, right? And this is, um, I don't know how much you know about like the law, but at the major law firms, mm-hmm. the bonus structure always gets leaked. It always gets leaked through, there's a site that's- so Everybody um, knows. Right, it's really popular, like above the law, where they yeah. leak the the comp and the bonus structure. And there's some deviations uh-huh. based on like, if you exceed billables, okay. but like, you know, the floor. And I remember, so like, I knew like what my, which is a head trip, right? Mm-hmm. I knew what my friends, former classmates from law school were likely making at the firms that mm-hmm. they were at. And I said to her, I hear you, but it's the end of the year. You're about to get your bonus, which I know is going to clock in at about 120, 150. This is the time where my clients don't pay their bills because it's the holidays. Wow. So you sure you really want to be yeah. like in the situation? She's like, I never thought about it yeah. like that. There there are trade-offs everything. to everything. Those all yeah, all the freedom in the world. I've closed deals from mm-hmm. Costa Rica and like all these places. But then, yeah, clients don't pay invoices at yeah. various points of the year. Tax yeah. time, <laughs> holidays, what mm-hmm. have you. Um, so you just have to decide what you have an appetite for and what you're willing to willing to right. trade off for. Absolutely. And you can't discount, you know, folks experience or their journey because they didn't struggle the way. Yeah. You. They want right. the creature comforts of a paycheck twice a month right, right, or, right. or what have you, right. you know, right. um, but we all have struggle in our own way. So Absolutely. speaking of that, tell me about a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. That's a great question. Well, I did have to change the diaper at 4 a.m. this morning, <laughs> but I do that every day. So I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna throw that in there. Um, man, okay. So the way I got into physical therapy school, mm-hmm. it's crazy. So, like I said, I had no idea how competitive it was. Uh, but I had gotten waitlisted at one school, so I was a little nervous. I got an interview at Downstate, and I wasn't even going to apply. I remember they wanted the application way earlier than I wanted to mm-hmm. do anything or had anything ready, but my friend Anna was like, just do it. So I did it, you know? And haphazardly, I get the interview, but I'm up in Albany, and I'm not a city person. <laughs> I'm from, mm-hmm. Rob, from Rockland Spring Valley, you know? So I was unfamiliar with the city to begin with, so... Uh, I bought an Amtrak train ticket to come down. Mm-hmm. I promise I set like four alarms. Somehow I slept through all of them. I wake up like 30 How minutes. How do you sleep through go, four I don't alarms? Know. To this day, I still don't know. It, it haunts me forever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man. So I've run, I steal my, my friend's car basically, and I'm running to the train station to uh, my friend. And he's calling them. He's like, can you guys hold up the train? They're like, no. yeah, that's not how that works. You're talking to... like you're like a famous rapper. Like, like, yeah, like, like hold the train. You want us to hold the train? Uh, yeah, just get, <laughs> just, just get over here. Um, so I'm like going through every light, just going, going. Long story short, I miss a train. So now I'm like looking up all these different bus times. Because mm-hmm. like, my interview is at noon. And I think at this time, point, it's like about 8 a.m. 
So now I'm calling friends because the car that I took it, there might have been something wrong with it, but I couldn't go down to the city with it. Um, so I had to find someone to bring me or something. So I'm calling all my friends. Luckily, I called one of my friends, Anik. She was supposed to go to work that day, but she called out. Mm-hmm. So she was like, okay, I can take you down. But now the time is short. Like, I'm, we're running super late. Uh, and I've so, driven to Albany. That is not around yeah, the corner. I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be late to this interview. I already got waitlisted. I'm not going to get into physical therapy school, what, you know, what have you. Uh, so I call them, let them know I'm going to be late. Then we reach a point where I'm like, I've run out of the car because I'm like, I'm close enough, forget it, like, whatever. It's raining. And I, I I thought it was drizzling, but it was like really raining. So now I'm like, no umbrella, rain. I and go you're through, suited, right? Like an idiot. I go through the wrong entrance. They're like, yeah, you got to go down the other block. So, so I run down the other block. I'm like panting. They're like, <laughs> like, are you okay? How late are you at this point? <laughs> oh, I'm at least 30. I'm at least 30 minutes late. So substantially. But I did call them. I let them know. They were like super nice about mm-hmm. it. Um and so when I finally make it up there, I, like my suit is still wet. Like I look, I look crazy. But did you tell them you missed your train? Like what was the explanation you gave? Not. You're just late. Okay. I mm-hmm. just told them. I don't know what I told them, but I was just like, oh, I was coming down from Albany, you know. So I think they assumed I drove. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to think I was an idiot. Missed my train on the day of my interview, so I did. I made no mention of it. But uh, yeah, so the woman that was supposed to interview me was a chairperson, but because I was so late, she had another meeting. So. They had another professor interview me, which was the only black professor on the faculty, wow. uh, Dr. Griffin. And I basically begged her to let me in. I was like, I looked crazy to be. To so were you in like just a wet suit? Like That suit was pretty bad. <laughs> I'm sure they looked at me and they were like, maybe thought, is this guy lost? Or like, what's, what's up? Um, but no, she was super nice. You know, I, I felt like I killed that interview. And a couple mm-hmm. of weeks later, I found out I got in. And to this day, my friend Anique, says I owe her 10% of every paycheck because I would not have been a physical therapist. I'm definitely like picturing you on your pursuit of happiness. So, yeah, just like running through this pursuit streets. of happiness, like craziness. Shout out to Anique. Uh, thank you to God for like just everything. Cause that was, that was li- like, literally I wasn't even going to apply. And mm-hmm. I don't even know what would have happened had I not um, made that interview. I'm just picturing you, picturing you like rolling in with this damp suit, completely winded. I just look crazy. <laughs> I literally look crazy. My hair is wet. Like, but did you try to tie it in? Like, you know, some people would have tried to spin that into like commitment uh, I to think like. I said something system. like, no, I didn't. No, no, I tried. To, I tried to almost pretend like it wasn't happening. Like, like I was dry. Like, <laughs> like somehow, like I could just pretend I was dry. Mm-hmm. So no, I made no mention of it. Uh, but I did mention how, you know, it was really hard for me to come down here today. So I apologize for being late like, mm-hmm. times. But yeah, they, they, they accepted me. And hey, a couple of years later, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing. It worked out. It all worked, it worked out. out. You'll be in like an alumni magazine or something at some point I, with that on, story. If anyone goes to downstate to their physical therapy wing, there is a picture of me somewhere on the wall. <laughs> somewhere. Got it. I've got yet it. to see it, but people have sent me a picture of it, so... So in a perfect world, what's your vision for your mm-hmm. photography brand and um, how would you like to see it expand? Um, really, I just want to create. I want to create with different creatives. I want to like really learn from different creatives. Like, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, all, I'm more so inspired than I am. Um, I feel like competitive. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm more inspired. Like I want to learn how people do certain things or how their brain is wired and what their creative process is and uh, just kind of learn and absorb as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And that way I can also get, just continue to grow and create more. Um, so that's, that's, that's my big, I really want to make it so that this can be what I do full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just open a studio, create, uh, and really just, you know, cause sometimes I just get hit with waves of just like, Oh, I want to just take pictures. Right. I just want to like, have the space and opportunity to do that and work with who I can and, and just really just grow. So let's fast forward 18 years from now. Your son says to you, Dad, you know, I just want to be a creative. I don't want to work a desk job. I don't want to go into medicine. What's your response? Oh, you know what? I would, I, I would, I'd be, <laughs> that's a good question. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, you think about all the struggle, you're like, damn, yes. I really don't want to be struggling like that, but... If that's really what he wanted to do and he was showed me that he actually like want took steps towards it, then yeah. Would, would you subsidize his lifestyle financially? <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> to an the extent. Haitian dad to might really extent. come out of you. Like, like, okay, wait a minute. 
You might have to go to mom for that because I'm not splurging. <laughs> so we shopping at Payless. We go. We gonna like resurrect Payless. So not Payless though. At Payless. Not Payless. She has to experience it. <laughs> I'm sad that kids don't get to experience Payless. They don't know the Payless struggle. Uh, My mom always believed Payless and hurt more. So, like, I'm pretty sure I had shoes from Payless, but somebody else probably bought them. My mom was not down with Payless. But I had the um, Thomas McCann. I don't know if that was in New York. We had Tom McCann. It was like a chain and Fava shoes was another one. Wow. Yeah, so those were, like, the the low-budget brands. Yeah, Yeah, Fava. Yeah, but Payless, (laughs) we say that of Payless for the most part. DeMarcus, did you, uh, you had never had shoes from Payless, did you? Oh, the broke days. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, rock yeah. bottom days, rock maybe. Bottom. Yes. He does. Clearance rack zip-tied at Marshall's. Clearance rack zip-tied at Marshall's shoes. Yeah. That is a very That's black a experience. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. But now Marshall's has like designer clothes, yeah, too. So, and they're online. That's where it's at. really where it's at. Absolutely. <laughs> We've totally like veered, but no, no, this, we this is the levity in the conversation that I, that I like. Yes. So where can people find you online? I'm on the Instagrams. I'm on Twitter. I tweet. Um, do you guys do a thing where you like put the thing? We the have not started that, believe it or not. So say your handles. Say yeah. I have to say my handles. All right, yeah. so we well, we do link them. We will link them link in the them. episode. Okay, cool. yeah. so we is... haven't put them on the screen in like the video. Yeah, yet. I didn't know if I like, had to spell it out mm-hmm. or if it was. You know what I mean? We'll put it in the. We'll link it in yeah. the description for sure. Okay, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. I know a guy who can do the thing though. Like if you, if you know I'm sure Demarcus can. We just we it? haven't started doing it in the in the <laughs> videos, but we do link it. But now I'm like curious what your handle is. <laughs> okay, no, no, being it's all not that mysterious or interesting <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. It's Jr. Photos, so it's J E. You were acting like I it was going to be Sanskrit. Yeah, nothing crazy whatsoever. So it's J E Y dot A H R photos. Got it. But we will link it. And we'll we'll put it yeah, in there. Yeah, absolutely. We'll tag you yeah, in it yeah, for yeah. sure. So follow me if you're a model, creative, mm-hmm. set designer, stylist. Let's work. Cool. I'm available. Awesome. Well, listen, I'm interested to see Thank if you. we have this conversation again in five years, whether you're still a physical therapist. Ah, I hope I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting that I'm vibe. Hope I'm not. Yes. But on the side, maybe. Maybe awesome. that'll be my side also. You know, do a little bit of going to random places yeah, and treating people. Absolutely. Go back to that. I would do that. Got it. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you. We've got to get some photos for sure now since yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. you are, you know, you're Photoshoot hardcore in this me. game. Yes. Photoshoot on me. Yeah. So to our listeners, check out JR and his work and the thank things you. that he's please, doing. Please. Um, I'm always interested in street photography as well. Yeah, Portraiture is cool, but I'd love to see some of the art, more yes. artistic things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that out. Make sure you support and follow him there. And if you're in New York and you want to collaborate in some way or just need to hire somebody, yes. uh, hit him up. Hit him please. up. We're all trying to get to that full-time path. Right, phase of child. life. Help me. Yes, Please. help him. A black man with a child. <laughs> Diapers me. are expensive. And he's in New York. Not. So that's a whole other story. But as always, remember to like, share, subscribe to this podcast, promote this episode if you enjoyed Absolutely. it. Tell two or three people about it or five. Mm-hmm. And remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take Thank care. You. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.